Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Psalm 119. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. This morning, um, we, we will be out of Hebrews until next week. And Lord willing, we'll finish up the book of Hebrews next week. But as we take the Lord's Supper today, um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. And I've, I've preached a version of this before. But it is always helpful to us. Um, It's always helpful to me, as I'll I'll share throughout. And I'm not going to read Psalm 119 before we start, because I'm going to read parts of it as we go through. So, with that in mind, let's, let's pray, and then let's get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words that we even sang now, behold our God, as you are seated on your throne, and you will reign, you have reigned, and you will reign forever. And those words are are amazing, and that truth is amazing, Father. So we come before you today, and we worship you. Father, we worship you because you have sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom all of your promises are fulfilled. In Christ, our sins are forgiven. In that, we remember this morning, particularly as we remember through taking the Lord's Supper, the juice and the bread as we eat and drink together, we remember. I pray this morning that we would do that. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that our faith would increase Father, I pray that we would decrease, though, as Christ increases in our hearts, that He would be more beautiful to us. Father, in spite of me, I pray that You would work. Father, and as we come to the, as I say, the table of Christ this morning, may we know that our sins are forgiven. If someone is here who is not a Christian and does not partake in the Lord's Supper, they will hear these words today and hear the good news of the gospel and turn and be saved. Father, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 119, the title of the sermon is The, the Beautiful Law of God. And then, of course, we, we come on the other end of that as Christians from the New Testament, as New Covenant Christians. So it's a Christian reading of how do, what do we do with Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is by far the longest psalm in the Bible. <clears throat> and the subject is the law of God or God's way. And so as we read Psalm 119, it reveals who God is, but particularly what He requires of us. We're not sure who the author is. It may be David, um, but it's really a poem in Hebrew that's, that's made that, we might, that, that the Hebrews might sing it when they worship. And it's arranged into 22 different sections. Each section has eight verses, and each part... Uh, is the Hebrew alphabet going from beginning to the end. So if you were a Hebrew and you were reading this in Hebrew, it would be, pretty, it would be just like a poem right from the beginning. It's absolutely amazing. And so we miss this in English. And uh, it also helps, um, it helped in, in their case to, to memorize uh, the psalm. But uh, I, I just have to say that throughout my years in being a Christian, that... Uh, 
maybe not the most recent, but just throughout my years, this psalm has been the one I have gone to the most just to give me help and aid um, when, when I'm doubting or when I have my affections are low or when my sin is great and, and I know and I look to Christ. And so this is a very helpful psalm. And it, it's definitely one of my favorites. And I hope that it will do the same for you and us this morning as we take the Lord's Supper. And also to help us as we go forward. And when we do, as Christians, come to this long Psalm 119. And so, a couple questions before we start. How does this psalm help us? And what are the benefits for us as we consider this psalm? So with that in, morning, that in mind this morning, I have five, really six, as we're going to end with Christ, but five ways particularly that this psalm helps us. So if you would, have your finger there on Psalm 119, and we're going to read quite a bit of it, but I have five of them, and uh, let's begin with the first. This psalm, today as Christians, as we think about it, it proclaims the holiness of God. Really, this psalm is about God and about His standard. And this, there's an emphasis in this psalm about righteousness and righteous instructions. So if you read the entire psalm, you will see nine main words that come out over and over and over and over again about the holiness of God and what God instructs us to do. And here are those words. Law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, Word, sayings, and then way. This is the way. So if you would, take a look at verses 1 to 9, where we find all of these nine words in the very first nine verses about the holiness of God. It says, Blessed are those who are blameless, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law. There's the word law. Law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. There's another word. You've commanded your precepts. There's another one. To be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. There's another one. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. Another one. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly, utterly forsake me. And then one of the verses I learned when I was in college. Um, memorize Psalm 119.9. How can a young man, so particularly young men here today, how can we keep our way pure? If you'll look there with me. Verse 9. By guarding it according to your word. So these nine words are used over and over again to express God's standard. A good illustration might be just a ruler. When you want to measure, as I'll be measuring hopefully with this week, as I'm putting new, some new flooring in at my mom's house, um, I'm going to measure the floors. Otherwise, we won't know what to do. And so God's word in some way is a standard. It is a measuring rod for us and tells us exactly what God requires of us, what it speaks of Him, and what, the, what He requires of us in His Word. And so the psalm tells us about God's holiness. That's first truth. Second truth, this psalm tells us what God requires from us. It's not hard. 
It's not rocket science. It's pretty easy, in fact, from some ways, even as Greg says in Sunday school. It's not hard. Well, you say that. You say it's hard and you do like me. Well, it's, it's kind of easy, but it is hard in some ways to follow them. But it's right in front of us. So what does God require from us or you as you come to this psalm? He doesn't <clears throat> simply just give us a standard. He also demands obedience to his standard. So verse 4, look there with me. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. So throughout, the psalmist emphasizes walking. It's a way of living and keeping, keeping what God has given us. Verses 1 and 2, look there again. Blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord, those who keep His testimonies. Verse 3, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. Verse 5, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Verse 8, I will keep your statutes. Now, we could keep going all the way to the end, and that's what we're going to get over and over and over again. Now, I believe the psalmist in this context is referring to the law of Moses, which we are very hopefully somewhat familiar with preaching through Hebrews. This is what the, he, this author would have been thinking of when he was thinking about the law. He would have remembered that God delivered his people from Egypt. He led them to Mount Sinai, where he gave them the law of Moses. <clears throat> and Moses came down from the mountain and delivered God's instructions to his people. And so, though all men are without excuse, I believe in this world, having a conscience, I think everyone has a conscience, and I believe that God has written his law on our hearts in some way, but only to Israel did God make himself known specifically by giving, him such, giving them such laws, stating clearly how they should live. Exodus 19.5, here's what we read. Now therefore, God says to them and to us, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel, God says to Moses. So Moses came, and he called the elders of the people, and he set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, you remember what they said? We will do it. This is good. We will do it. So what is the requirement from Psalm 119, it is to obey all of God's commands. In other words, obedience to His law. And in this psalm, we have a man who, the author, who desires to do that. And if you read it, and you just say, God, speak to me as I read Psalm 119, that's one of the things you see. This person really wants to keep and obey what God has commanded. So I'd ask, is that something that is normal in your life um, as one who comes to church often I don't see too many visitors if you are visiting I've missed you it's, I haven't seen you I'm sorry but I'm noticing about everybody and you know this is this is for us so I would ask you know is that something that you desire constantly in your life to obey the laws of God to, buy, to obey the commands of God look at verse 5 to so look there with me the, the the psalmist the author says oh that my ways may be steadfast. Verse 17. 
Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 31, I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, let me not be put to shame. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. We see this psalmist, he's desiring to obey God. Now let me ask some questions. When we think about the law of God, the law of Moses particularly, did the psalmist or any person ever ever live up to every part of the law of, of, of the law of Moses or any of God's commands even before the law of Moses and think about obedience even if they had kept every part of it and every command there was still a problem where with the heart which flows from a sinful nature that all of us have Jesus says this men if you've looked at a woman and thought in a wrong way about her, what have you done in your heart? Committed adultery in your heart. He says to all of us, um, he says if you've thought evil about your neighbor in your heart, then what have you done? Committed murder in your heart. That's what Jesus does to the law. He takes it. But even in the Old Testament... The first command is to love the Lord God with all your heart. There's really no difference there. God is after the heart. And so no one has ever kept the law of Moses in that way all the way down to the heart. And so our psalmist knew this, I believe. And then all he could do was fall upon the mercy of God. And I would argue that by faith he was waiting for a solution here. God's promise from the beginning, Genesis 3.15, I will send one who will take care of this sin problem. And we know that looks forward to Christ and his obedience to the law and his sacrificial death on the cross. Look at verse 41. As the I think the author of the psalm looked forward. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Isn't that what the book of Hebrews is all about? Promises. God will, by faith, we look forward to God fulfilling all of his promises. No difference even in that day. Verse, turn over a few pages in Psalm 119. Go to verse 156. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Another question. Are we Supposed to live up to the law of Moses. What do you think? That's kind of a trick question. Because God always requires obedience. Always. And the law of Moses was good and right. But do we keep the washings from the law of Moses? The, the, the ceremonial things of that system? Um, do, we, do we stone someone who has blasphemed today in the church? Or lots of questions there. When we read this psalm, it's very important for us to remember the context. It belongs to the old covenant, pre-Christ. The principles, though, are there for us to learn and to obey them for sure. And the truth is this. 
God's requirement for us, for you, is still obedience to his instructions. Even in the New Testament, God says, be holy as I am holy. Since the Garden of Eden, it's always been the same. God has said to Adam and to Eve and to us, just obey me and live. I mean, as parents, don't we do the same we ask of our children to obey us? Because we know it will go well with them when they obey us. Um, and that's, it's the same because we're just doing what God has said to us. Obey me and live. But we must remember, as Christians, that the law of Moses under the old covenant was a, just a shadow and a type and a precursor that would point to the new covenant in Christ. Even as we today, we say... Um, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, remember me. But the law of Moses prepared Israel for the coming of the Messiah. And if they were honest in their hearts, they would have known that they could not have kept all of, all of God's commandments in the law of Moses. They would have known also that the blood of bulls and goats was temporary. It could never completely cover sins. And I think we see this with the psalmist. So the point is this, we know what God requires of us. We don't have to just read Psalm 119, do we? We can read the entire Bible, and we can go particularly to the New Testament. Jesus says, as you go, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to what? Obey all of my commands. God is the only one who can give commands. Jesus says to us, you obey my commands. Well, who does that make Jesus? That makes him on equal ground with God because he is God in the flesh. Quick application before moving on to the next truth. Let me say something about the specifics of God's commands. They are good for us. God's commands help us. They instruct us. There are many verses in this psalm that point this out. Three of the most famous are verse 9. Look there with me. Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? So how can a young woman, this is not just a young man, how can an older man, an older woman, how can young children keep their way pure? By taking heed according to God's Word. That's what we do. And I would say if you're not, then you're not using the means that God has given that you would be pure and holy and have the ability to obey Him. Verse 11, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, how helpful this is this week that we read and that we memorize, that we pray over and that we store it up like the squirrels store up the the nuts for the winter. We store up God's Word in our hearts. Why? That we might not sin against God. Verse 108, look there with me. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I still remember the old back in the 80s with Amy Grant singing that song. And uh, you light unto my path. This is the word of God to us. So when you are having trouble making decisions, go to the word. When you wonder if something is right or wrong, sometimes it's difficult to get the right answer, but we can at least get the right moral answer and the spirit of things before we make things specific. We go before we make things specific, we go to God's Word. So everything that we need, everything you need for life and godliness is found 
in God's word. Truth number three. This psalm teaches us that godliness leads to happiness. Happiness is the natural outcome of godliness. Here the psalmist is, we, we, we see in many places he's very happy because God has given him requirements, his judgments, his instructions, and he knows, the psalmist knows, that obedience to God's law will bring him happiness. Look at verses 1 and 2. Blessed are those, that's the same word for happy, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Verse 47. 47. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 56. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Verse 143. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. We, we can't say those things um, if we are being disobedient, can we? With much happiness. And we all know that. There's no difference between me and all of you sitting here this morning. Um, I've always told my kids, I've, told, I've said this many times in sermons, an obedient Abigail, obedient Caleb, obedient whoever, Emily, Josiah, is a happy kid I always tell them that obey me and you will be happy kids whenever you are not obedient to your parents and you know that you are being disobedient how how easy is it for you to be happy it's it's you can't and so we know this to be true um we think about as husbands my own self and those of you who are husbands when you constantly treat your wife in a way that is not not nice not according to scripture and you call yourself a christian how happy are you wives when you when you do not respect your husbands in some way even when they are treating you bad then how can you feel before god um so all of us fall into this boat when when we're not consistent in using the means god has given whether it's reading His Word, or coming together on Sunday mornings to, to worship, or, or, or coming to home group, or, or praying in private. All of these things, I, I deal with them myself, and I know that you do as well. But when we are not using the means that God has given, how happy are we? we and we tend to, what happens is we tend to then move ourselves away from God's people. That's one of the first signs that someone is being disobedient. There are other things as well that, that, that people would move away, even when they are obedient, but I'm just talking about when they are disobedient. I think one of the sins of the book of Hebrews was not gathering together regularly with God's people. And so 
Um, but we know that when we are being disobedient, it is impossible to be happy. I think of young men and boys and fathers and grandfathers and all the men in here. When you look at something on your phone or on the internet that you should not look at, and then you come to church and you have not confessed it, you have not, you're not doing everything you can to, as Jesus makes it clear, cut off your right hand if it's causing you sin. Cut off, gouge out your eye if it's causing you to sin. If we are not fighting, now ongoing struggles with sin are going to keep going, brothers and sisters. But how are we fighting the, against such things? It's repentance. It's a heart of repentance. Now, I'm not saying, don't hear me say, that you must work your way into heaven. Because we know that cannot be the case. Because we are, none of us have obeyed the law of Moses or any of the laws of God or even the commands of Christ all the way down to the heart. But who has? That's why we're here today. Take the Lord's Supper and remember that He died for our sins. So, if I point out something and you hear it and you go, yeah, John, that's me. That's what preaching is supposed to do. It's supposed to hit. It's supposed to hit me during the week. It's supposed to hit my head during the week. My, it's supposed to hit your heart. Then you say, I'm going to keep going that way, which is unrepentant. Or you're going to say, I'm glad I'm here. Christ died for my sins. And he's thrown, God has thrown all my sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what we remember. So, <clears throat> if you are a Christian today, then you should find great joy in coming to, to the table and taking the Lord's Supper. Because your sins are forgiven. But if you're not a Christian, of course you're not taking the Lord's Supper, but as you sit and you listen, then you hopefully, at some point, you will say, yeah, that's, that's maybe why I'm not so happy. That's maybe what's going on with my mind and my heart. And so I would urge you, if you're not a Christian, to become a Christian, to look unto Christ and, and be saved and find that your sins will be forgiven in Christ. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, though, the happiest Christian is the most obedient Christian, for sure. So, <clears throat> fourth truth. This psalm motivates worship from the heart. So the key is heart. Throughout this psalm, the writer considers God's commands. And it, as he thinks about them and he meditates upon them, his soul finds great delight, as we've seen. But this is, this is worship. Caleb, this is worship. As we talk, me and Caleb meet together on every other week. We talk a lot about worship, but it's so comprehensive. We just can't pinpoint one thing, but it, we can say that it is the heart that says to God, I love you and I want to obey you. This psalm motivates worship from the heart. Look at verse 7. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. Verse 54. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning or pilgriming. And boy, just keep thinking as I read through these. Is this me? Is this you? Verse 57, the Lord is my portion. When we think about all the trophies of life, and there's money or vehicles or houses or possessions or lands, whatever it might be, the Lord is my portion. He is my portion. I promise to keep your words. Again, verse 57. Verse 62. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I think maybe in, at the nighttime when we're sleeping and you wake in the middle of the night and you're just there 
This should be what comes out of the heart of a Christian often is just thankfulness to God, saying, God, you are my portion. Verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Verse 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Look at verse 169 through 172. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. I can say again, throughout all my years, this has been one of the most helpful psalms to me. And I've been convicted even this morning as I read through last night a bit and, and this morning. And I, I have not gone to the psalm as I ought through the, the, the past recent times, recent memories. But it's been very helpful to me when I find myself cold, down, lacking in devotion, lacking in praise in my heart. Um, I meditate on these verses. And so I pray that that this will be the case with me even this week. Is some, I mean, some of these descriptions I'm giving generally have been uh, with me for sure. There's much more to this psalm, though, than mere outward obedience to God's law. It goes right to the heart that worships. So I will encourage us to do the same. Truth number five before we move to the Lord's Supper. This psalm creates a desire for a deeper knowledge of God and His ways. No matter where we're at, we want to be getting, going deeper with our knowledge of God and His ways. Look at verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous, th- wondrous things out of your law. When the psalmist considered God's law and all the wisdom behind His commands and His instructions, the psalmist wanted to know more. So when we consider God in His ways, we want to know more of Him. I'm, I don't remember um, the exact occasion, but if, if you've read Chronicles of Narnia in the very last book, the last battle, and there's a lot about the Aslan's land, and, and there's a statement in there that basically says that that land you will always be going further in and further up because we cannot exhaust what there is to know and love and understand and experience about God. That's what life is like now from His Word, and that is what it will always be. And I cannot grasp that because if after billions of years in our terms of speaking, we will still be able to go further in and further up with God. Look at, at verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. I think the psalmist is saying, maybe I'm not, or he feels it in his heart, and he's saying, Lord, you make me understand, and you help me. Verse 64, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Verse 73, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Verse 96, 
I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Verses 130 and 31. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Verse 144. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Brothers and sisters, we need this psalm. And we need these truths. And we need the motive of the psalmist. Because Christianity can become... I know it can always, always be up, can't we? It's up and down. Difficulties of life. Been a Christian many years. You certainly know that to be true. And Christianity can become commonplace. Oh, how we need a deeper desire for God and His ways. We all need that this morning. This is what I I want. I appreciate your prayers as you pray for me. But throughout the years, this has, again, been my go-to psalm. When my faith feels weak, so when your faith, put yourself in this as well. Faith feels weak, read Psalm 119, because you'll see it all come out. The The same desire of the psalmist, you say, let this be me, Lord. Read it. When your prayers don't seem to be going to the ceiling, read these words. When you are lazy spiritually and you feel that your pursuit of God has come to nothing, pray these words. When you need revival in your heart, pray these words. So brothers and sisters, if you've never used this psalm in these ways, hopefully this week, in the coming days, you can do that. It's, and it's not very hard. Just read it and say, God, make these prayers mine. And I want to do what this psalmist does. So that's the five truths I had. And we're going to end with number six. What <clears throat> is the way we must read this psalm is that this psalm finds its fulfillment in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's instructions through the law of Moses finds all of its fulfillment in Christ. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 28, baptize them, teach them to obey my commands. In other words, we cannot stand up to the test of law of Moses. We've broken his standard in, in our actions and in our hearts. And this leaves us with, in and of ourselves with no hope. So in order to apply this psalm, we must look unto Christ. And that's what we do as Christians. Only in Christ does this psalm find its fulfillment. Matthew 19, quick story. The the rich young ruler, we've heard the story before. This rich young ruler, very religious man, comes to Jesus and he asks with sincerity, I believe, Jesus, what must I do to get to inherit eternal life and Jesus says keep the commandments and he's talking about the law of Moses keep the commandments and the man says okay which ones do I keep so Jesus says do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not lie honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as you love yourself notice Jesus only quotes the the last commandments of the ten commandments he doesn't quote the first ones that talk about no other gods before God. 
And so Jesus is saying, on the outward part, do this. <clears throat> and then, though, after he says that, the man says, Jesus, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? Because he's, he's figuring something out. I'm lacking still something here, Lord. <clears throat> and Jesus said, okay, here it is. If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor. So he ups it up a bit, but he's still, he's, he's moving to the heart more. He says, go and sell all you have and give to the poor. Or sell what you possess and give to the poor. He didn't say sell all you have. And he says, then you will have treasure in heaven. But then what does Jesus say at the very end of that? Then he says, come follow me. And the man went away because he had great possessions. Well, I think that what Jesus is doing here in a simple way is he's applying Psalm 119 for us. Instead of simply saying, keep the commandments, keep Psalm 119, he says, come and follow me. So why would we follow Jesus? Because all of those commands are fulfilled in the person and work of Christ. Jesus took the commands of God to their ultimate fulfillment by saying, now follow me. Why did he not say, okay, just keep them and that's all there is to it? Because Jesus kept all of those commandments in his heart and in his action. And when he laid down his life as a sacrifice for sinners, God accepted his sacrifice. That's why if me and you keep them kind of partly, or we think we kept them all, we think we kept most of them like this one guy did, it's not enough. We must come to Christ who kept the law for us. And this is faith. This is union with Christ. In Christ we have God's standard, for He is God in the flesh. In Christ we, we have God's righteous requirements fulfilled. He lived a perfect life in his heart and in his actions. So, <laughs> just beautiful, beautiful words we have in Psalm 119 of this man just going right to the heart. But Jesus loved God with his heart and he kept all of his commandments. So in Christ we find all of our happiness. Blessed is the man who walks not <laughs> according to his own counsel but follows his word. And Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in Christ today, we worship God. We, when we consider the gospel, our hearts are glad and we worship. So when we take the Lord's Supper here in a moment, we know that the sacrifice, God's sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, is sufficient, and our sins are forgiven. But at the same time, we go back to Psalm 119, don't we? And we use the principles and the laws that are there fulfilled in Christ. And we say, God, give us these things. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for Psalm 119. These words are good, and they are true. There's nothing wrong with them. But Father, no, we, 
we look back upon the cross of Christ. The psalmist looked forward. He didn't have that fulfillment yet. We have that fulfillment. And your word says, for those who say they have not sinned, they are a liar. And they make you out to be a liar. And these words, the Apostle John says, are written for us that we might not sin. But Father, as I preach these words and I look at my own heart, I am a sinner. And I have sinned this morning and I've sinned this week in my heart. And Father, all of us have sinned this week in our heart particularly and in, often in our actions. And we don't want to sin. But Father, we have. And so Father, we look unto Christ this morning who has taken our sins upon Himself. And we remember our Lord's death until He comes back. So help us today, help us now as we take the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.